Father, we love you. We thank you. And do me a favor. While I'm praying for you, will you lift, point your hands at me and pray for me that I'm able to deliver the word that God has put in my heart. Father, I pray for the hearers today. God, I pray for those uh, who are in this room, for those who are joining us online, for those who will join us um, on podcasts or YouTube or whatever it might be uh, in the days and the weeks and the months and the years even sometimes ahead. I pray, Lord, that this word that is delivered today will be pleasing and glorifying to you, God. I pray, Lord, that uh, your heart would be delivered through this. God, I pray that the scriptures that we read, the scriptures that we share, uh, Father, would, would, would illuminate our heart and illuminate our life, God. Lord, that you would speak deeply to our soul and to our mind what you long to do in our lives. And I pray today, God, that you would be with us, continue to be with us. And we bless your holy and wonderful name. And everybody said, amen. amen. It feels good in here, don't it? Presence of the Lord is good. Um, and I'm, I'm so thankful. You know, I, I want to talk to you about this topic of the great exchange uh, out of Isaiah 61, 1 through 3. So while I'm kind of giving you an intro here, go ahead and take your Bible and turn it to Isaiah 61. It'll be up here, but if you got a Bible, use it. <laughs> um, so I want to talk to you about this idea of, of the great exchange. And at the heart of it, we're going to talk about giving our ashes for the beauty of the Lord, giving our mourning for the oil of joy. And giving our despair for the garments of praise and the spirit, uh, and, and for the spirit of heaviness, the, the garment of praise. But I want to, I want to kind of, I want to be vulnerable with you today. Uh, how many of you have ever dealt with hurt in your life? If you're not raising your hands, you are either dead or you are lying. <laughs> Sorrow is a part of the journey of the disciple. And as I, as I thought about my life and I thought about uh, my wife's life and um, and, and even just how it relates to the Potter's House, I, I've been at the Potter's House since I was eight years old. Back in 1992, we came and was able to grow and learn under this music ministry and always to have a father who taught us the things of God, who showed us the heart of God. And just thinking through all the things, all the great things, I, I feel like I've served in every capacity that you can. Uh, I've, I've, I've uh, stayed here until, you know, four o'clock in the morning practicing with Pastor Michael and uh, for those of you who remember John Wise Carver and Cullen Marriott and back when we were in youth group and, um, and how just God was molding us during that time. We didn't even know it. Uh, all the way up to when we served, my wife and I served as young adult pastors. My wife and I were married in the gym back in 2005. Both of my, both of my boys, this is where they've spent their first Sunday and every Sunday pretty much since uh, at the Potter's House. Uh, I actually was thinking uh, right about here. I wish they'd nail this into the ground. Um, right about here, I wrote, how many of you here the night that we were coming over here and we wrote, you know, testimonies and names of, uh, yeah. I wrote right here that my son will praise God because back at that time we just had Graham. My son will praise the Lord right here. And about, it was at the end of summer, my, my son on our first Wednesday night stood right here and sang the song uh, Egypt that he sang in Burgoo when we were with the mobile tent. So I'm thinking about all the beautiful things that God has done. And even when my wife and I went to plant our Reynoldsburg campus in December of 2015 and back into the fall of 2017, where we came back here to serve as the worship and creative arts pastor, where we feel like even to this day that this is what God has created us to do is to lead you, our community of believers in worship unto the most high God. And I think of all the beautiful things, I could tell you what that, no, I'm not gonna tell you what that is. I know what that is because typically it's me making that noise. <laughs> but I was thinking about all the beautiful things that have happened. 
And I remembered all, even just during those times of great triumph, we built this building and to see God's hand incredibly manifested in the lives of people, people saved, people delivered. I'm talking about testimonies of God healing somebody who was on death's doorstep, full of cancer, and in one moment of time, God touched that body and made them whole. Uh, I'm talking about, you You could probably name a bunch of testimonies that you've seen in your own life over, you know, uh, since you met the Lord and even beyond that. Because even when, even when you're running from God, miracles are still happening because he keeps you, and that's a whole other message. But I was thinking about all these great, incredible, magnificent things, but then you also remember, man, we faced some stuff. We faced some stuff. We faced difficulties. We faced, I'll talk about me, I faced difficulties. Even when we were marching forward in things that God called us to do. There were still people, I, I, when I think about it, I think of Nehemiah when he's building the wall and here come a group of people who are trying to convince him not to build that wall. And I'm sure that you have the same testimony. And man, I, I'm, what's crazy to think is that next year I'm gonna be 40 years old. Now in my mind, I'm still 18. <laughs> oh, which is funny, I'm glad I said that because the Lord reminded me. I feel like God wants to heal somebody's knee real fast. And I'm being super serious. You gotta hang with me on this because I go from being serious to sarcastic. It's just how, who I am. Uh, on, on, on Thursday morning, uh, GPA, which if you served at GPA, thank you, God bless you. It was an incredible time. How many of you came to GPA this weekend, Global Prayer Lines? It was awesome. The Binions were here. They're incredible every single time. Um, and I was standing right here playing piano on Thursday morning. And since, the early, since like early summer, and this is what I said, I still feel like I'm 18. I did something to this knee right here playing sports or doing something, you know, when you get to be like 39, I'm starting to realize that you can just get out of bed the wrong way and something might happen. Well, something happened and uh, I, I went all through summer and into fall. I'm talking about the kind of pain that when you're laying in bed at night, you can't get comfortable. It keeps you awake at night. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Uh, I would, sometimes I would even have a hard time bending over to pick something up, even like, you know, on this platform when I had to bend down to unplug something, it would be painful. Uh, and I'm, in, in my mind, I'm, I'm thinking I'm staring surgery right in the face. Uh, and you know, it started hampering like my everyday life. And I was standing right here and they were praying for healing in the room. Nobody was praying for knees to be healed. They were praying for somebody who had cancer. And I was standing right here playing, and which is hard because you put all that weight on this leg, which is why it hurts. And playing, and uh, while they were praying that, I felt a pop in my knee and have not felt one single ounce of pain since that moment. God's good. He can do things that you don't even know how to ask for or you're not even asking for. And he comes in because his presence is so, there's just stuff that happens when he's here. So if you can say, hey, I know God's a healer. And the, that testimony is to say, do it again, God. So if you say, hey, I got my, Gene, I believe God's going to touch your knee right now. And you're going to be whole. If you say, I got pain in my knee, you can be left or right. I want you to stand up right now. We're going to pray for you. Come on, come on, come on. How many believe God's a healer? I know you are like, well, we're already done with worship and you're already starting to preach. Well, God reminded me because I feel like he wants to heal somebody's knee. Um, if you see somebody around you, get up and lay hands on them. The spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus, is what your Bible says in Revelation 19. So God, based on the testimony of what you did in my life, we pray for those who have pain in their knee right now. We pray for those who are staring surgery right in the eye, 
Lord, no matter what it is, if it's swelling, if it's a tendon, if it's a, whatever the case may be, we speak healing into the body today. Lord, this is nothing that we can do on our own power. This is nothing that we can do with our own words, with our own might. But God, you said it's not by might, not by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. And the stripes that Jesus took on his back were for our healing. And I pray, God, that right now that you would touch the body of those who have knee pain. God, those who have knee pain, who is inhibiting their life from being lived normally. And we pray that right now in the name of Jesus, that you would touch and that you would heal. Whether it be in this moment or when they wake up tomorrow morning and they realize I have no pain in my knee we believe this this is what we believe God we have faith to believe that you can do this right now and in the name of Jesus we pray amen amen hey can you thank God for being a healer hey, Ollie. hey listen if God healed you and you see it you feel it you're walking in it thank you baby I want you to, to let us know because we want to thank God for what he does in our lives. Amen. I believe somebody's just been healed. Okay. So I'm talking to you about this great exchange. So it's like, meanwhile, I'm talking to you about this great exchange, this just exchanging of ashes for the beauty of the Lord. And as I was thinking about this, and the Lord has really been dealing with my wife and I in this subject for, for some time now. Because like I said, um, I was talking to Teresa Salyer's um, last week or I can't remember it could have been a month ago I can't remember <laughs> and uh, you know she just says how are you doing and I'm like well the further you go in life the more complicated it seems to get and <laughs> right and it's like just because you know I, I, you can't stay forever in your basement playing PlayStation eventually you've got to walk in what God has called you when you're walking in what God has called you there's going to be resistance <laughs> amen if you're not being resisted, then you're probably not doing nothing. Um, and life becomes just more complicated. And, and, and we live in such a fast-paced world that even if you know sometimes you are hurt, even if you know sometimes you get cut, even if you know sometimes that, boy, I'm, I'm wounded here. I gotta, sometimes life does not allow you to slow down and say, let's take care of this. And I'm telling you, in ministry, like that's, in a lot of my life, I had, um, I don't know how many of you remember Debbie Hopkins. She was a youth pastor a long time ago. Um, and she prophesied to me, she said, the Lord showed me that you're a race car. You are running, going, 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 but you never stop for a pit stop. All right, do I got anybody else who can say, yeah, that's probably me. Um, because God longs to touch you and heal you, but you've got to acknowledge first that you need touch and heal. We're really good, right? In my personality, I like to, I, I'll travel light. Like I don't, things, things hit me, but I don't really realize they hurt me until I'm down the road because it's just, it's who I am. Like I don't, I try not to let a lot of things affect me, but if you've ever heard, I try to not let a lot of things affect me, somebody say that, they're lying to you. <laughs> because we are all affected by what goes on in and around us. And if we don't acknowledge that we need healed, if we don't acknowledge that we have ashes in our life, God can never exchange them for beauty. And as I was thinking about this, and my wife and I, we listened to two messages on this topic, and just in the process of our life about saying, God, show me the ashes and the areas in my life that I've not given to you. Uh, I heard the Lord speak to us today and say that 
Some of my people can't see the beauty of my kingdom because of the ashes that they have built their house in. He wants to give you and he wants you to walk into this beautiful kingdom. The reality of he is real. The reality that he can stop us right in the middle of an introduction and heal your knee, heal your body. The reality of he's all around us. He's moving. He, he, he has a perfect plan and a will and design and desire for our life. That reality. And sometimes, you know, if you're sitting in your ashes and you, you come into this place and you hear Pastor Michael deliver a strong word on something that you know is powerful, but you just can't quite bring yourself to, to apply it. Or when you hear us singing songs and we are passionately pursuing God, but you're just kind of, you just can't, you just can't muster the strength to do it. Or even on the other side, you're not just indifferent, you have a critical heart. You have to evaluate yourself. You have to have a spiritual awareness to say, God, are there places in my life in which, in which ashes have built up to such a place that I've lost touch with your heart? I mean, you think about this. You think about Samson. He did not even know that the spirit of the Lord had left him. And my fear is that our churches, and not just this church, but churches in general, are just going with the flow, going with the uh, emotions of what we do in church, and they don't even realize that the Spirit of the Lord has left them. So I want to talk to you about this great exchange because we're going we're gonna, to we're kind of do it out of order because this is just the way that the Lord spoke it to me when I was studying this week and thinking about it and pondering it. So we're going to go kind of out of order. I'm going to show you the... I'm, I'm a big believer in, uh, in showing you what I'm going to talk about and talking about what I'm going to talk about and then reminding you of what I've talked about. <laughs> I believe that I, I don't, I, I don't want to just speak and you say amen and we have a good time and you go home. There are churches all across this globe and if they had as great of services as what they said they did, we'd see the fruit pouring out. But sometimes we just have an emotionally good time and we leave the fruit of the Lord in the house. I want to read to you Isaiah 61, 1 through 3. The Bible said the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. Because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captive and release from the darkness the prisoners. To proclaim the year of the Lord, Lord's favor, and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. The oil of joy instead of mourning. And a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. The King James Version says, or a spirit of heaviness. They will be called oaks of righteousness. Say oaks of righteousness with me. A planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. And this is what I want, I want us to kind of just, this is where I want us to say, I want to talk to you about three points today. We're going to talk about understanding God's design through all of this. Even if you're in the darkest place you've ever been in your life, God has a purpose through it. I want to talk to you about, the yeah, number two, we we're going to talk about identifying the ashes, mourning and despair, heaviness in my life. And thirdly, we're going to talk about how do we allow this great exchange to happen. Um, and then I got a takeaway for us today. I want you to understand, a walk away from this place, understanding that God desires to take the ashes of our life and exchange them for the beauty of his kingdom. Once we allow this to happen, it will change the perspective from which we see him. It will change 
the perspective from which we see him. All right, let's talk about understanding God's design through all of this. And I want to start at the very end of that passage that we read, Isaiah 61, the second part of the third verse, that he said, they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planning of the Lord uh, for the display of his splendor. So, like, I think it's important to look in um, our world to see how it mirrors the word of God. And I just started looking up, okay, well, like, what oak trees, what are they? And I found this cool picture of a huge oak tree, boom. Um, beautiful tree, right? It gets as tall as 70 feet, as wide as 135 feet, and as wide in diameter as nine feet. It's a big boy. You're not pulling that out with your truck. And this is what God has called you to be in his kingdom. And I would dare say that, uh, listen, I'm, not, I'm just gonna try to speak real to y'all today. I would dare say that far too many Christians have shallow roots, but they look big on top. Because Christianity, at least in our culture, not just Potter, not Potter's house, I'm talking about Western culture, is give me something that I can put on social media. How many people you have in your church? What kind of clothes you wearing? What kind of this? What kind of that? And it's not about how much do you love Jesus? Like, show me the fruit of your life. And God has not called us to look big and have no roots. Because when a storm comes and you don't have any roots, you're going to get blown right over. But when a strong storm comes and you have found yourself, like in Jeremiah, let me read this, Jeremiah 17, 7 through 8. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. When I was reading that this week, you know what part stuck to me? It never worries in a season of drought. And, and we're, we're putting this to the fact that we will be called oaks of righteousness. You have been called to be an oak. You've been called to be somebody who is, like Pastor Michael, we talk about this often. We are, our goal is not to build a big church. Our goal is to big build, build big people. That was kind of hard to say. Our goal is to build, build big people who have deep roots, who know who they are in Christ, and who can walk in the authority that they've been given. How many of you would say that's what I want for my life? But we have far too many Christians in today who, disciples of God, who are so fickle. They're driven by the wind of the most insignificant things. They're, they're driven by, oh, we don't want to get into all that, but you know what I'm talking about today. They hop from church to church until they find a pastor who says it the way that they like. There's so many things that drive their faith except for faith. And this is the, this is the epidemic and the pandemic that we're facing in the Christian world today. Because we don't realize the harm that we are causing the church of Christ by pretending to be when we have every single empowerment to be Oaks of righteousness. So oaks, those trees grow tall. 
They also produce, now they produce acorns, which are nuts, but if you look other place, scientists call them fruit. I'm just gonna say they produce. And how many know producing is a good thing because if they don't produce, oaks stop to exist. They are no more. Our whole life is not just simply to become an oak, but it's also to empower others to become oak trees as well. And to acknowledge, how many know that if, if an acorn falls on the ground, and the next day that you wake up, that ain't gonna happen, that ain't gonna appear right in front of you. Which is another crazy thing that I feel like we put pressure on ourselves today to become an oak tree overnight. But process is the way of the kingdom. There's a lust to have a microphone in your hand, but you've gotta go through a crushing before that. And you've gotta be called to it. There's a process that must come in your life before you are an oak tree. Now, you got to watch yourself because if somebody is not as oaky as you are, then you're going to say, you're not just like me. And they're growing into it. An oak tree can provide shade. And let's look at the three kind of types of production that, that, that biblically that we can look at. First is how God views, views fruit in our life. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off. This is John 15, one through two, by the way. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Even that thing that God is trying to take away from you right now, he's trying to take it away from you so that you can bear more fruit on the other end. And that's our goal. That's, that's, we, are, we have been called to bear fruit. Let's look at the second thing. Let's talk about the fruit of the Spirit. And everybody say fruit, not fruits. Like, we talk about this all the time. Like, it's just not like the, the fruit of the Holy Spirit is not like a farmer's market. You can go pick what you want. We have been called to exhibit every single one of these things in Galatians 5, 22 through 23. But the, uh, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. Say love. Joy. Peace. Long-suffering. Kindness. Goodness. Faithfulness. Gentleness. And self-control. I love when the Bible gives you like a list. You know what I'm saying? It's like the love chapter. It says love is, love is, love is. Love is not, love is not, love is not. It makes it kind of easy. Like you write it out in front of yourself to be like, did I do this today? It's not like some mystery. <laughs> but he's given us this list and, and you, you have to put your life up against a list like this to say, am I bearing fruit? Am I showing fruit the way that God has asked me to? And then the last way, is producing generations. Psalm 145, three through four, the Bible says, great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your work to another. They tell of your mighty acts. Let me tell you something right now. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how young you are. We have our kids in the room with us today. I love having our kids in the room. I wanna give them another opportunity to scream. Kids, can you scream for me? Three, two, one. Yes. Thank you. Okay, all right. Every, every, I'm a parent, and every parent's like, what did you do? But from the oldest person to the youngest person in the room, you have a part to play in the kingdom of God. Whether if you are the, a part of an older generation, it's your job to shout back to the generations behind you, this is who God has been. For generations like mine, we, mine, we are standing in between, and we're saying, this is who God is. And to the younger generation, it is your job to say, this is who God is showing himself to be.
And if you don't have all three of those generations playing into one another, you will not see the fullness of the kingdom of God. So I want you to say generations are important. God's design in all of this is to make you an oak of righteousness. So we're going we're gonna to talk about how good it is to be an oak. We're going to talk about identifying ashes, which is not going to feel so great, not going to feel so good, but we're going to talk about it. But you've been called in the end to be an oak of righteousness to display the splendor of the king. And you see this, this played out throughout scripture. Ephesians 1.12 says that we were created to be the praise of his glory. Isaiah 43, 7 says, everyone who is called by my name, whom I have created for my glory, I have formed him, yes, I have made him. Matthew 5, 16 says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. This is why we've been created. Now, will you have trouble in life? You will. There's no way around that. And even when you're reading Isaiah 61, the Bible says that he's, uh, his spirit of anointing me to preach the good news. And I think sometimes we can take a perspective and a vantage point of those who have yet to, to, um, to invite Jesus into their life. But how many of you know when you invite Jesus into your life, your troubles don't stop? You now have a heavenly help through the Holy Spirit in which God has given us as a comfort uh, to walk us and, and show us his divine will through all of this. And even when storms come, you can hold on and anchor yourself in who he is. God's not God has called you and empowered you. You don't have to do this thing on your own. I think sometimes we put so much pressure on ourselves. If I live perfect enough, if I say the right amount of prayers, listen, if your faith and your hope for eternity is found in yourself, that's not an eternal hope at all. Our faith and our hope is found in the one who died on a cross, who was buried in the grave for three days and then rose from the dead, having victory over death, over hell, and of the grave. That's where our hope should rest. And we do all of these spiritual uh, uh, practicals and, and, and things that we should do every day, but if you're doing them to check off a, a, a box on a list, you're still going to have troubles that are going to overwhelm you. Because the goal is not just to read, the goal is to let it affect I told you, it's like a smorgasbord today. I'm going to say what, whatever comes to the heart. All right. Um, John 16, 33 says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. For those of you who didn't think you were going to have trouble, I wanted to read that for you. But take heart because I have overcome the world. And that's a promise right there. So I want to go back to Isaiah 61, 3. I want to I read just from verse 2 on. The Bible, uh, 61, I'm sorry. Isaiah 61 uh, we'll start at verse 2. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion. To, be, to, be spill on them, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. The oil of joy instead of mourning. And a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness. A planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Now, identifying the ashes. Mourning. Spirit of heaviness. Despair. So during this time, if somebody was grieving, it was customary to come, and while that person was down grieving, and they would take ash and they would throw it upon them, literally crowning them with mourning. And so this verse comes with the reality in this fact that they were literally having ashes placed upon them. Now, how many of you have had that happen to you and you've been mourning recently, physically? Thank God. I'm gonna be like, we, got, we need you to see a, a counselor or something. But mourning is a very real thing in the life of a believer. And, and 
the Bible says in Matthew 5, 4, and, and this is talking about whether if you're mourning somebody who is physically passed or if you're mourning sin's destruction in your own life in the world around you, there is comfort. Matthew 5, 4 says, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. I'm going to say it again. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Everybody say amen to that. So you're saying, like, what do ashes look like in my life? And it could take, it, it can look like a bunch of things. It could be disappointment. And I really want you to ask God, show me the ashes of my life right now. Ask him. I'm just going to read through it. Yesterday I was sitting down and just typing everything that I could think of. And I want you to ask me, God, show me the place in my life where I am sitting in a pile of ashes and you want to exchange them for the beauty of your kingdom. Disappointment in broken relationships. Words that cut from people you love. Words that cut from people you don't even know. Disappointment in the direction of life and time that flows by so quickly. Maybe you're dealing with rejection and abandonment and unfulfilled promises. Maybe it is unresolved, unforgiven sin in your life that continues to eat away at your soul and eat away at your mind. Maybe you've actually and physically lost someone who passed and can't see past this moment and grief is racking your heart. Maybe it's plans, visions, ministries, and callings that never came to fruition. Maybe it's financial brokenness, hurt in your family, hurt in your marriage. Maybe you were hurt by church leadership. Maybe you were hurt by fellow Christians who are not who they pretend that they are. Maybe you blamed God and struggle to get back to a place of intimacy and childlike dependence. Maybe you got a medical diagnosis that has knocked you off the direction that you feel like your life should have been going. And maybe you're sitting in this place today and you're saying, boy, I can see myself in that. And I've never actually taken time to allow God to heal me because I didn't realize that I was so hurt by it. The word ashes in Isaiah 61 means worthlessness. Worthlessness. We can, it, that, that word can absolutely show up in any area of your life. Maybe you've told yourself recently, why even try? What difference does it make? And it's a feeling of brokenness, of despair, that can affect you on every level of your being if you don't take care of it. If you don't allow God to come and heal it. And it goes to a level of telling you you're worthless. You have nothing to give to this world. And to the deepest level of God doesn't even love you. God doesn't see you. You're worthless. You have no value. But the devil is a liar. And what God wants to do is take those ashes in your life and exchange them for a beauty that you can't even comprehend. But if you don't take care of them, this ends in a critical heart. Criticizing everything you see because we have to find some way to deal with the brokenness on the inside so we start to point out the brokenness in others. Because we have to, we have to relieve the pain some way and somehow, and the, and the, and the, the, 
One of the things that we must watch out for in a time and a season like this is not making a vow and agreeing with the kingdom of darkness. Is not saying if somebody broke trust over you, and you might not even say these words out loud, but if you don't allow God to heal you, you can start to take the stance of, I'll never, let somebody, I'll never trust somebody again. Or somebody scarred you in a relationship or in a marriage, a husband or a wife, and they, they scarred you. And you make a vow in your heart that says, I will never love again. And a lot of us are dealing with cold, hard hearts because we've made vows with the kingdom of darkness and we don't even realize it. And maybe some of us in here even are saying, man, if I, could, if I just could end it all right now, I wouldn't have to deal with this pain anymore. If I could just go right now and do da-da-da-da-da-da-da, I would never have to deal with this again. If I, would, if I just left my job where God has called me. I've dealt with that one before. I feel like everybody in ministry has dealt with that one. You've probably dealt with that one. If I could just go and work at Walmart, I'd be so much more happy. If I could just go and move to Florida. My God, he's in Florida. I know he's there. If I could just go and do this and do that and just find a job where this crushing of ministry, this crushing of a call, who do you think is telling you those lies? And to some of you to even say, if I could just end my life, I wouldn't have to deal with this pain anymore. If I could just, if I just, the enemy tries to convince you and talk you out of your inheritance. He tries to talk you into, he's been doing it since the beginning of time. He's been doing it since the very beginning with Eve. He couldn't make her eat the apple. All he could do was try to convince her into it. And a lot of us in here are dealing with brokenness and the ashes. And the enemy is convincing you to stay in there because why even try? It's too hard to get out of this place that you built for yourself. There is no hope. Just live your life out to the end. And, you know, maybe sometimes something will happen. But I'm telling you right now that there is a God in heaven who is looking at the plight of your life and knows the lies of the enemy that you have chose to believe. And he's standing today in this room saying, I will give you beauty for ashes. I will give you oil of joy for your mourning. I will give you a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness that you are. Listen, church, he's not, we're not waiting on him. He's waiting on us. And I don't care how far that you have gone. I don't care how deep you've dug yourself into the ground. Everybody take a big deep breath. You are alive and breathing today. And so God's mercy and grace is still available to you. Do you know that beauty and ashes, beauty for ashes, is a literal exchanging of a crown. Because they threw the ashes on the head. The Bible's talking about literally brushing the ashes off and placing a crown of royalty on top of you. Don't forget who you are, son of God. Don't forget who you are, daughter of God. You have his very breath in your lungs. He sees you, he knows you, he watches you, and he wants to take the ashes of your life, all of the disappointment, all of the brokenhearted moments, all of the things that you wish that you could do again, God says, I want to take it all and I want to give you beauty for your ashes. 
Because God is a redeemer. God can take the, how many of you lay in bed at night and your mind just replays the dumbest things you've ever done in your life? Yeah. Again, most of you are lying. <laughs> and you, 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 because the, what's the enemy trying to do? He tries to remind you, boy, you really messed up there. What's his goal? It's to make you feel worthless. It's to make you feel like you have nothing to give. And I'm telling you, and let's not get it twisted. We are simply for a moment. We carry nothing on our own. It is the power of the Spirit of God inside of us that allows us to walk in the things that God has called us to. But I'd also like to say, there is enough value on us that heaven sent the very highest price that it could pay for you. And so while we are a vapor in the moment, we are very expensive vapors. I was thinking about oil of joy for mourning, and I remember um, when my wife and I, 2000, so... I went down there in October 2005. We got married in November 2005. And we were down at um, House of Restoration in Milford, Ohio, right outside, right outside of Cincinnati for a couple years, um, serving as the worship pastors. And when I got down there, I had, um, <laughs> I had spiky, I had like spiky rascal flats hair. Remember that, all that face? That's what it is. And uh, what that served in, uh, well, so I had, we, had a, we had a guy who was our senior pastor down there and I was sitting on the steps, we were praying on a Sunday night. And I was just praying for God. I'm hungry, you know. Yeah, please. I wasn't feeling very spiritual in the moment. I guess I'm the only one. And uh, my man walks up. How many of you have been to anointing, uh, an anointing service here at the Potter's House? Where they'll just, you know, dab a little bit on you. My man took a, a bottle of oil that big and poured it right in my hair. And do you know that the Rascal Flats hair served as a cup? And I remember I didn't, I opened my eyes to see who it was and I saw the oil and I thought, uh-oh, because I know this guy. How many of y'all know somebody who has a reputation? He's a great guy and the Spirit of the Lord flows through him, but I knew that I was getting ready to get a like level four million anointing. But I was thinking about this oil of joy for this, for the, for, for this, for this morning. And uh, Matthew Henry talked about how it makes your face shine. And it took me right back to this moment because as the cups of the Rascal Flats hair began to let little streaks fall out, pretty soon it was in my eyes. Pretty soon it was dripping off my nose and trying to get into my mouth. And it was everywhere. I was young, so I just went, thank you. If it was to me today, I'd be like, why? Why? I remember going home and washing my head and my face. It took me days to get the anointing oil off me. I'm still feeling the effects of it today. Hey. <laughs> so when I think of the oil of joy, when you get the oil of joy on you, it's not easy to get off. I'm not talking about happiness. I'm not talking about a good old fashioned laugh. I'm talking about the spirit of joy. <laughs> For the spirit of mourning. Like we've been even told, don't mourn like those who have no hope. Like we are to look at this thing differently. So when I thought about oil of joy and I thought about all that running down in my, 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 my face and thinking about how long it took to get that off of me, I started thinking about this joy that I have. The world didn't give it to me. How many of know that song? This joy that I have. The world didn't give it to me. We'll go ahead and to the end. The world didn't give it and the world can't take it away. And that promise still holds true. Quit giving people authority to take away what only God can give. 
And what this spirit of these, these ashes and the spirit of mourning, and then you talk about how he gives you a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness or despair. That word means to be dim, to be dull, to be colorless, to be dark or to be faint. I've literally gone through seasons of my life where I just I just feel, I don't feel light. <laughs> Has anybody ever been there? And he's saying, I'm longing to give you the garment of praise for the spirit of lackluster joy in the kingdom of God. And I want to tell you something right now. Garment of praise, once you have it on, you better believe that everybody around you is going to know that you put it on. When I put this jacket on today, I knew that everybody's going to see this jacket. And when I put on the garment of praise, I know that I am being a billboard of the goodness of God, that he has replaced my spirit of heaviness, my despair for this garment of praise. And let me tell you all something. In this day and age, you better have your garment of praise on. Because literally everything that we are facing comes down to these things. It's either causing ashes in our life, it's leading us to a space of mourning, and, and, and I want to say this too. When you look at that word and it's talking about mourning the dead, it, it, it literally mentions for a period of time. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm not necessarily talking about those of you who have lost someone. I'm talking about those of you who are sitting in ashes. A period of time. Like it's okay to go through a moment like we're humans. Of like, man, that, there's times where God's going to take you through the healing process whether you like it or not. I mean, there, there was a time that I had to, for, from a, a brother of mine, I had to ask to leave. And it was heavy on me. And I remember sitting in the kitchen of our home and just feeling all the emotions of what was going on and then immediately just begin to bawl crying. I cry, but I never bawl. And I literally felt this, this grieving come on me. And my wife was there and she put her arms around me and I was just trying to explain to her, this is what I'm feeling, this is what I'm going through. There's times where that, that grieving process comes on you, but there's times where that grieving process stays on you. And you don't allow God to complete his perfect work in your life. And so you find yourself in a perpetual state of mourning. <laughs> a perpetual state of mourning. And then this despair, this heaviness, my Lord. I mean, you don't have to look very far to understand where heaviness and despair is coming from. It is, it is coming on us from every which way. And if you allow it to sit on you, it will make camp in your mind. But there's this promise. I'm telling you all, if you get this, if you get this principle, if you, not the way I'm saying it, if you get this biblical principle, it will change the way that you walk. It will change the way that you talk. It'll change the way that you think. It'll change everything about you because this is God's will for you. I mean, some of you, some, some of us walk in here and we just feel cold. Our heart feels distant and far from the things, or we're super critical. I am shocked at how many Christians can be so critical of other Christians because I know in my life, I'm having a hard enough time keeping my stuff together. My stuff. I don't have time to worry about your stuff. But this is like a mechanism that we, that we bring to the table of, if I, I'm, some of us don't even know how broken that we are because it's, it's been a long time since we've looked. But if you have a critical heart, one that sees the, the devil in everything, 
If you have a critical heart that says, I just can't connect to God or I find something wrong with every, like you would have to have awareness inside of you. That's called the Holy Spirit. To identify these things that I feel like I'm just, I'm, I'm critical of everything. I see something and I don't like it. And I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not feeling very praiseworthy. I'm not feeling like there's a lot to get excited about, a lot to get my hopes up about. Man, we serve a God who is the God of hope. If you don't have any hope, then you're believing a lie. And the more hope you don't feel, the more lies you're probably believing. Anybody with me still? We cannot make vows with the kingdom of darkness. And if you've made a vow with the kingdom of darkness, even if you feel like you have, break that vow today. You say, how do I do that? Begin to pro proclaim the word of the Lord over your life. The word of the Lord is the antidote to any vow that we could ever make to the kingdom of darkness. How many believe that God's word is alive and, and strong? That it has power? Man, this is a tool that we have been given to proclaim over our lives and over the lives of others around us to see God's kingdom come. So, um, David Goodzik says this. He said the extent of the comfort, and he's a, he's a biblical commentator, the extent of the comfort and restoration is beautifully described. Instead of ashes of mourning, he gives people beauty. Instead of mourning itself, he gives people the oil of joy. Instead of the spirit of heaviness, he gives the people the garment of praise. Why do we sit in ashes? Why do we mourn? Why do we indulge in the spirit of heaviness when Jesus gave us something so much better? <laughs> like... You have to ask yourself that question. And what stinks about it is, it's good, it, it feels good to feel sorry for yourself time to time. Oh, not me. Not me, never me. Again, we're gonna have an altar call for liars. It's, it's, a, like, it's an allurement. Like if you're going through a difficult time and you're hurt and you're feeling sorry for yourself, the danger of that, if you don't talk to somebody, is that you become the only voice in the room. And you begin to tell yourself exactly what you want to hear. <laughs> How many of you have ever like, been dealing with something on the inside and then talked about it openly to somebody you're accountable to? And as you were saying it, you're like, that's really dumb. <laughs> right? That's, that's ridiculous. But if we keep it inside and we isolate ourselves, and what's beautiful about this is you'll find yourself in any three of these places. You'll find yourself as an oak of righteousness, which we thank God for. You'll find yourself in this stage of identifying the ashes, the mourning, the despair, the heaviness. Or you'll find yourself in the place we're getting ready to go of handing, you've identified the ashes of your life and now you are handing them over to God. But I wanna tell you this right now, and this is a promise that that, I, I, that has been sticking with me since the beginning of this. For those of you who feel brokenness, there is an incredible promise found in Psalm 34, 18. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Let me read that again. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Even when you're walking through this journey of being made whole again, he's walking with you. He's walking beside you. He's praying for you. His spirit is comforting you. So let's talk about this third thing of how we allow this great exchange to happen. One, you gotta realize that God cares about you and wants to see you made whole. 
before we talk about any other thing, and I, I, like, I like practical things, but before we talk about anything practical that we can do in our life, you have to come. This has to be the foundation of how you are restored. This is God's will for you. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, casting all your care upon you because he cares for you. And as I started going through this in my own life, I was driving to pick up um, groceries from Kroger, which is one of God's greatest works in Kroger, you know. <laughs> and I was on my way this one night and the Lord just began to speak to me, forgetting out all my benefits. Forgetting out all my benefits. And I started, um, I started reading, praise the Lord, my soul. It's Psalm 103, one through five. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit. Who redeems your life from the pit. Now, I realize that this is talking about a different pit. But how many of y'all have a fire pit? <laughs> how many times after building a fire and watching the thing, ashes build up on the bottom of that, right? And ashes get everywhere. It can snuff out anything. It fills the air. And, and I saw that he redeems your life from the print and, and, and crowns you with love and compassion. I love when the Bible agrees with itself in another area. He, he redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. Don't that sound a lot like giving beauty for ashes? Who satisfies your desires with good thing so that your youth is renewed like eagles. And I want to say this, don't overcomplicate the thing. <laughs> Sometimes it's like, here's your five steps to being made whole again. And you're like, you know, you're praying and you're trying to figure out if I've done all the steps. Don't overcomplicate the thing. Get in the presence of God. He knows what to do. <laughs> you know, he, he longs to meet you and he longs to be the lover of your soul, the healer of your body, the healer of your mind the one who cleans the ashes out of your life and gives you beauty. He cares for you. He sees you. Second thing I want to talk about is thoughts matter. I want you to say that. Say thoughts matter. Philippians 4a says this, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. It's another list. <laughs> You can literally, I mean, I, I challenge you at the end of your day to take Philippians 4, 8 there and balance it against all the thoughts that you had that day and see if it works. Thoughts matter because thoughts give birth to words, which is conveniently my next point. Words matter. See what I did there? Proverbs 6.2 says, you are snared by the words of your mouth. You are taken by the words of your mouth. The Bible says that the power of life and death are in the... What are you saying over yourself? What are you agreeing with? Not just in your mind, but in your words. And Thoughts give birth to words, and words sometimes come with actions. And if you want to find out where you're, the state of your heart for real, listen to the words you're saying. Listen to the thoughts you're thinking. The fourth thing, ask God to reveal the areas of your life that are sitting in the ash heap. Write those things down. So um, you're not just gonna do this probably once in your life. You're gonna do this multiple times in your life. Um, if, you, if you're like, well, you know, we've been, like, read Psalm 102. Psalm 102, um, the writer of that chapter literally says, I eat ash for my food 
and I drink a cup that is mixed with water and the tears, then I cry. It's a, it's a dim, dark first 10 verses. But in verse 11, he says, but oh God, I remember who you are. And it begins to list off all of the things that he is. So even for those who are writing in the Bible, you're going to go through tough times. I remember years ago, I came in, and I asked it in a different way back then, but I brought my journal in, and I said, God, show me the things that are keeping me from you. I thought I was a nice, good, clean Christian. Like, I was going to be like maybe two or three things. And the Lord began to speak to me about relationships, about thought processes, about a myriad of things before I knew it. I had like three or four pages filled out. I was like, God, stop. <laughs> like, remembering things that I had just, like, just I'm living with that have, I've normalized whatever it might be that, that God has never called me to live with these things and when you sit down and you say God identify the areas in my life that are ashes that you long to clean that you long to redeem for the beauty of the kingdom of God and to redeem me once again as a son of God and a son of daughter he'll do it and I'm thankful for that, man, because I could have said, God, what's keeping me from you? And he couldn't, he couldn't answer the phone. He's a present father. He's there. When you ask, for those of you who are th like, like thinking about this today, and this is probably coming from a pile of ashes type of thinking, you're thinking, why even try? I, if you give it 30 days, give it 30 days of, of, of asking God, show me the ashes of my life, and write those things down and become aware of the things that you have been living with for so long that have been like open wounds on your, your soul. And then say, God, heal me. And then begin to walk a process of restoration, of healing. I'm, I'm telling you, in 30 days, you will be a different person. Which brings me to five. Be accountable to someone. Someone you trust. Someone you can share these things with. Because what's beautiful about this, and this is my last point here, is to take note of when things start to change. So my wife and I have been talking about this, and there's something that I would just been struggling with in my mind. It's something that I'm asking God to, to change. And I felt him change it, and I just kind of said, hey, this didn't bother me as much anymore. And my wife said, that's probably because you've identified that as an ash in your life. And I said, well, you know what? That's probably true. Like how many times do we ask for God to do something and he does it and we never even acknowledge that he's doing the work inside of us? Because when you acknowledge that he's doing the work, then you realize, hey, I'm gonna keep marching on because he who has started a thing is faithful to complete the thing. That's good. And then I, I, did, I just did, again, kind of like I, I looked up Oaks and like, in our, in our world, like what does oaks mean? I looked up, how do you clean up ashes? And it gave me the most revelatory thing, it's crazy. It said, shovel them up, put them in a bag, put that bag in the trash. <laughs> and I was like, that's deep. That is, that is profound. I got goosebumps when I read it. But <laughs> it's like, like, make it that easy. Don't sit in a pile of ashes from dreams and relationships of long ago and just continue to be content with being discontent and decide to clean it up, let God clean it up, 
and actually walk in the purposes that he's designed for you. And if you're angry at me, that's probably another pile of ashes too. But oh, you don't understand, like I guarantee you, uh, and I shouldn't, I'm, I'm not the pastor, I'm the worship leader, whatever. After I, I, after I teach a message or preach a message, I'll get a message or somebody will come and say, well, you don't know what they did to me. Ooh, and the room grows quiet. You don't know what I've been through. I don't, but he does. And listen, it's like one of those things, like if it's a relationship that's broken, your goal is to be reconciled in your heart. Like if it's a relationship thing, I'm not saying you need to fix that with that person and go watch Sunday night football with them tonight. I mean, the, the, the things may never be reconciled in a relationship because there's two pieces. You're responsible for yourself. And there's nothing that you have ever faced in this life that is too great for God. So you can save me that you don't know, you don't see, you don't do this. I don't. I'm just going to save you that. I don't. But I know the one who does. And his word is eternal. And he didn't just write that to me. He didn't just write that to Israel for those who are grieving in Zion. His word is forever settled in heaven. And if it's in there, you better know that it applies to you, disciple of Christ. So if you're angry at me today, ask God to show you where the pile ash is. Get a shovel, put it in a bag, and put it in the trash. <laughs> Don't overcomplicate the thing. I can't tell you how many times I've come in to a worship session or a time where we're just praying or just in, in a service or wherever in my car, wherever it might be. And the presence of the Lord comes because I've just acknowledged that he's here. I want to be with him. And he begins to fix me in ways that I didn't even know how to ask for. I have this belief that every time that we encounter God, whether it be on a platform like this, in a room like this, or in a, a prayer closet in your room, or when you're going to sleep at night, or when you're driving your car to work or from work, every time he encounters us, he changes us on a DNA level. Every time. You cannot come in contact with the creator of the universe without aligning more and more like him. Again, we overcomplicate this thing. If you're wondering why am I far from God, it's because you've not spent enough time with him. And you've taken your eyes off of the one who is worthy and you've put them on those things that are bothering you. You put them on those things that are giving you ashes in your life, that are causing you to walk in mourning, that are giving you despair. Turn your eyes on Jesus. Jesus.